Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will continue our thematic investing conversation as my guest will outline a new publication series from the Chief Investment Office dedicated to long-term thematic investing. So joining us here for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Michelle Liberty, thematic investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Michelle, welcome back. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning. Looking forward to our conversation. Good morning. Thanks, Dan. So, Michelle, I understand that the Chief Investment Office recently launched a report titled Our Favorite Longer-Term Themes. So, Michelle, here at the top, can you take a moment to walk our clients, our listeners, through the genesis behind this report and its objective? Sure, and, and thanks for having me, Dan. Just for our listeners, I'll give some context first. And we do have a number of longer-term investment themes, over 25 of them, in fact. And these longer-term investment themes are meant to capture growth in secular industries that we expect to play out in the next 7 to 10 years or maybe even longer, depending on the theme. But that doesn't mean that investors can't apply the current backdrop to these themes, right? Investors can still consider near-term fundamentals like valuation, sector exposure, factor exposures, et cetera, to these long-term ideas. And this is what brings me back to the publication that you mentioned, Dan. The Our Favorite Longer-Term Themes publication highlights five long-term themes that are screening well against the current backdrop. So this report uses both quantitative as well as some qualitative metrics to put some near-term considerations on top of the long-term idea. So it's really to help give investors some guidance around how these long-term themes fit into the current economic outlook relative to the other longer-term themes that we have on the shelf. And we'll be continuing to publish this uh, on a monthly basis. For this most recent publication, though, uh, the five themes that we highlighted were diversity and equality, aging and comfort, uh, family businesses, frontier markets, and emerging market infrastructure. Michelle, thank you for the background on the piece itself, and it sounds like we can look forward to some deeper dives, follow-up conversations on these themes in the months to come. Uh, Just a follow-up, Michelle, curious as to how your team arrives at the themes featured as favorites, so can you expand a bit more on the selection process? Sure, it's a good question, And, and first I'll explain the general process, and then I can also provide some comments regarding the top five for this month more specifically. And first, I I should note that we're not just selecting themes based on our own judgment. So there's no cherry picking here. Uh, It's determined by a model that, as I mentioned, uses both quantitative and qualitative inputs. And for that quantitative piece, style and factor components are the inputs. So data, momentum, valuations, for example. And then on the qualitative side, the inputs include consistency with the CIO house view. So, for example, sector preferences at the global level, uh, exposure to the risks that we've identified as a group. This is what the, the qualitative side is looking at. And the quantitative inputs do tend to re- drive the results, though, on a, a relative basis as those are weighted a bit higher, um, but it is a combination of the two. And that's the general process, but in terms of the five for this month, uh, and I, I won't bury the lead here and go through all of the points uh, for all five, but I will give some quick points and examples on a few that we've highlighted this month. 
Uh, one theme that I mentioned made the top five was aging and comfort. Uh, and part of that was due to the sector diversity that this theme offers. So more specifically, the exposures to banks and life insurers, for example, add a bit of a value tilt to the theme. And it also adds some interest rate sensitivity against the backdrop of rising rates. Uh, the next one that I'll mention here, family businesses. Uh, this one is interesting because family businesses, at least at an index level, uh, tend to have a small cap tilt. But despite that, looking at the index level again, it's exhibited a couple of quality characteristics in recent years, so including relatively more prudent capital spending uh, and financial conservation when you look at net debt to EBITDA. Uh, so we do think that the quality aspect should help to position the theme against this backdrop of volatility, but that small cap exposure should provide some upside leverage when and if we do see a recovery. And then finally, uh, the last one that I'll just mention, frontier markets. Uh, this tends to be somewhat of an under-allocated to asset class. Uh, so from that regard, it can be another way to diversify portfolios, especially given its low correlation with other global uh, equity indices and even commodities. What's interesting, though, is despite that low correlation with commodities overall, uh, frontier markets have some index heavyweights that are oil exporters. Uh, and finally, last thing I'll mention is that re return on equity for frontier markets has also improved uh, in recent years. So I'll pause there, but again, check out the full report for more, and we're going to be doing this monthly. So next time around, uh, we can definitely dive into some of these themes in more detail. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you for the high-level highlights. And to your point, we do, of course, encourage our listeners, especially our clients listening in, to get a hold of the publication to read a bit further into each of the featured themes. So, Michelle, considering that this is a monthly report, as you pointed out, featuring themes that are meant to play out over a much longer horizon than one month, how should investors think about this in terms of time horizon? Yep, that's a great, great point. So I'm glad you asked, uh, because what's really important to note here is that just because a theme does not show up in the top five during any one month, this does not mean that we've lost conviction in that theme or that we no longer think it's a good idea. And that's a really important point that we continue to believe that all longer term investment themes that we've identified look well-positioned to capitalize over that longer-term horizon. So the report is really a, a point in time, what five themes are screening well based on these metrics at this time. And that's why it can change from month to month. So just because one theme falls off in the next month, that doesn't mean that, again, we don't like it anymore. It just means that one of the factors that the model looks at has changed. So that's by no means a sell signal, right? Just because that long-term theme is no longer in the top five, that should not be interpreted as a sign to exit the position. Uh, so in summary, this report doesn't really change anything about the long-term nature of these investment themes. They're still very much focused on secular ideas. Uh, that we see as attractive really over the next decade. Okay, well, makes sense and appreciate the clarity on those points, Michelle. So before we wrap up our conversation today, anything else investors should be aware of when reading this report? Yeah, um, I think the last thing that, that I would mention is that theme preference doesn't necessarily feed through to the individual stock level. So the security selection is not really a factor in the model. So just because a, a long-term theme as a whole 
might be screening well in terms of, say, valuations, that doesn't mean that all companies with exposure to that theme look attractively valued. So it's important to think about the company level as well. Uh, and in that same vein, this ranking is done based off of each long-term theme's underlying reference list of companies. So what that means is for investors, when they actually go to implement or invest in these ideas, there's a lot of different options for doing so, depending on the theme. Uh, there can be ETFs or mutual funds, just for some examples. Uh, and while those types of solutions may align with the long-term themes, they can still differ materially from the actual reference list. So just because a long-term theme has made our top five for the month, uh, you know, it's important to think about the implementation vehicle as well and whether or not that actually feeds through. Um, so I know that's a little complex and there's a whole you know, bundle of reasons why someone might choose one way to, to implement versus another. Um, that's something that's best discussed with your advisor who knows your personal situation. Um, but finally, last thing I'll note here uh, is that diversification is so important. So especially when it comes to long-term themes. And this favorite long-term themes report doesn't change that. So for investors with no thematic exposure at all, or who might be looking to gain some exposure to long-term themes, we don't recommend just selecting one or two from the top five, right? Or even just selecting the top five. We still recommend seeking a diversified approach across themes, gaining exposure to several different types of themes with different drivers. And this should hopefully make for a smoother ride overall um, in terms of mitigating some of that volatility when you when you do go the single theme route, which again, we, we would recommend taking the diversified approach. Well, Michelle, nice catching up this morning. Thank you again for dropping by top of the morning to highlight the publication and appreciate the guidance there on approach. Again, the title of the piece, and this is a monthly publication, our favorite longer term themes available for our listeners now up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, we do encourage our clients listening in to have a follow-up conversation with your financial advisor. Contact your financial advisor to receive a copy of the publication directly. Though, Michelle, thank you again for your time this morning and Looking forward to picking back up with the conversation next month. Thanks again, Dan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.